okay, I don't mean to be all serious. You know, I got to go to Alaska last week, and it was amazing just to see the vastness and the wonder of creation and realize sometimes I don't see anyone else around. God makes stuff just for fun for him. And there's amazing views, these amazing things. And while I was gone, Sam was here doing a great job bringing a message of the gospel to you. I got to listen to it this week. It was really good. The only thing I would say that I was a little bit interested in, in, in was he got up and he started. He said, he said, I, I know you might be surprised that, that it's not Dax in the pulpit. He says, he says, I, you might know I'm not quite as tall as Dax. Okay, the guy's almost as tall as me. He didn't say, and he should have, he's not as old as Dax. I get that. Or as wide as Dax. You're awfully gracious, Sam. Where are you? <laughs> anyway, wonderful job. Fantastic. So exciting to hear um, a message from Ephesians, and, and we will miss him when he goes. And stay tuned. We'll have plans of what's happening in the church. But But here's the thing. Even today, I was driving to church, and I turn on radio and Christian radio, and I'm listening to the song, and there's a great song says it all. you got to keep it really simple, the song's saying. I was like, yes, you do. There's so many ideas floating around about Christianity, about who we are. you got to keep it really simple. It says it all boils down to this. What do you think? You probably know the song. Love God, love people. Says we're going to change the world. We just love God, love people. And 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 and, and I stood back and I'm the song's catchy, kind of love God, love people. Okay, that's that's the end. I can't do singing from the pulpit like Sam could do. But that being said, it's like is is that the message that we have? Is that and my heart for you is so I'm I I so wanting us to 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 see that the Bible. It's, it's like an inverted pyramid or, or all the information, all the wonderful stories, all the narratives of the Bible pushing down, coming down like a funnel to a point, to a place that says, hey, this is, this is the main thing. It all boils down to this. What is it? I was even walking around in the sound booth this morning. Hey, what, what do you think the, it all boils down to what? What is it? <laughs> he says, Jesus wept. <laughs> Why do you say Jesus wept? Because it's the shortest Bible verse I know. <laughs> That's not it. What is it? And so we have these messages bombarding us in Christianity, and even from pulpits, and even from the, the Bible, to say, what is, what is the thing that you are so excitedly standing on? If it's love God, love people, my, my, my thing for you is that you should be living a life and probably are living a life of some fear. I did. I get fear. Why? Because there's always the niggle. Are you? Are you loving God? Are you really loving people? Are you doing it enough? And so we start looking around. And I love I love God and love people is better than that guy over there. I get, okay, I feel good. But not as good as Mother Teresa over there. So now I feel bad. And then, and then I'm like, I'm trying to figure out, is God happy with him? And then my whole mindset, if that's the funnel, if that's the point, is fear. So I want to, uh, particularly this morning, I'm trying to push you away from fear. Because it's my conviction. It's not my conviction. It's my Bible verse, First John 4, 18. Perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear in in love. I want you to stand on the right thing. I want you to see. And what it is, why I'm so excited about this, is that I feel like this is what the Bible's saying. We've been through, if you've been with me in John, we've been through now all of John. We're finishing John. We'll finish it in a couple of weeks because there's one more chapter. But this is like, it's the funnel. He's told all these things and he's now gotten down to the very point. 
So we're covering two verses this morning. And it's the point. John's like, this is why I wrote. By the way, do you know how rare it is for the Bible actually to say why something's happening? The whole book of Job. Job's like, oh, I'm hurting. Going, oh, what's going on? Why, God, why? And God's like, shut up. I'm God. You don't get to know the why. Why did my dad die? Why did this circumstance happen? Why is my life going this way? Why, 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 why? And rarely do we have an answer. But this morning, we get an answer. Why this whole book of John? So I want to show you, it's, it's life in his name. But just like, just like having the wrong kind of funnel point and all the message of Christianity, I can say, well, you should have life in his name. And all of you will nod. I'll have life in the name of Jesus. And then I'll go, what does it mean? I don't know. Not sure what that means. Because Christianese gets everywhere, right? So, so I actually want you to say, you're going to have life in his name and you know what it is this morning from the Bible. So if you have your Bibles and want to turn, we're at the very end of John. There's one more chapter to go, which we'll again pick up next week. But this week we're finishing chapter 20. And we're looking at verse 30 and 31. And it, it, it says this. I'll just read it for you right away. It says this. It says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So that's that's the why of John, right? Why? Why? Why did John put these signs? Jesus did tons of miracles. So many miracles you can't even know. And my mind goes, oh, I want to know some. And I go read the Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel of read about Jesus doing other miracles. But no, no, no. These God preserved for us. And we went through them. And it's like, why are they there? What are they pointing to? Why? So I want to think about that with you for a minute. Would you, would you think about why, why, why signs? What are the signs? Signs mean miracles, right? Kind of. I mean, so many books couldn't contain them, but why? And, and, and here's an answer to the why question. It's so you might believe. You might trust. That's what the word believe means, right? It's trust in something very specific. Not that Jesus was a miracle worker. He was. Not that Jesus died for me. Ooh, he did. You trust what? That Jesus is the Christ. That's what it is, right? You may trust that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God. You say, well, I I know this. I, I know Jesus is these things. But that's not exactly it, right? Like you give me a Sunday school and say, who's Jesus? And say, well, Jesus, we call him Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. Okay. Do you, do you trust that? What does it mean to trust it? Because I, I think, don't you, that when I, when I say to my wife, I, I trust her, I'm talking about I trust what she does. I trust her in the role she has. She's, she's going to the store. I trust you to get the stuff that you're going to need to get. 
I depend on you. I actually lean on you. It's not head knowledge, right? It's, it's a dependence thing. This God who is man is your salvation, the Bible says. This God who is man is your Savior. And so you're leaning, you're depending, you're trusting not in you, but on Him and His salvation. So this man who is your Savior is God. That's, that's right, the Son of God, right? He's not a really good man. He's the Son of God. He did what you could never, ever, ever, ever do. This book, the John, that we've spent 10 months on, has been for you to trust this, that God is this for you. You need the signs. They point to what you're trusting in. I say, well, what exactly are you trusting in? So, well, remember there were the seven. John has seven signs. Remember <laughs> what they were? I want to go through them with you. Just really briefly. It started in chapter 2 with the first sign, and it was water to wine, remember? Jesus took these massive, huge stone vessels that were full of ceremonial water for ritual cleansing. Ritual cleansing in the temple. And you would come, and you would get cleansed. And you would grovel for your sins. And what did he do? Poof, he turns them into what? Into wine for them to enjoy. In fact, there are probably some drunk people now drinking wine. How could it be? This, this is the first sign when Jesus like takes this heavy ceremonial water and makes it into like new, fresh, fun things to drink. Who is this Savior? Wow. Something very different is going on. He, he's giving out wine. I don't like wine, by the way. I know, I'm sorry. But Jesus, the whole idea is this new thing, this amazing thing that he does, right? And then in chapter 4, this healing over distance is the thing that happens next, right? In chapter 4 of John, where the official sends and says, Oh, my, my, my child is so sick and, and uh, sick unto death. Would you come, please, to heal them? And Jesus just goes, Ah, oh, they're healed. Go back. Think through that with me for just a second. This is John curating this so you see it, that Jesus has somebody come to him and he has to know who the person is, where they are, what's wrong with them, and over time and distance say, I'm just going to heal them by speaking a word. How do you even know where the son, the kid was? And even more than that, he was a Roman. So John picks out this thing, he realized that he's one of the people that are against God's people. They're oppressing God's people. It's a government official who's against the people of God. And God just goes and heals them. That's the second sign. Then there's the third one. Right in chapter 5, where this guy's been lying there all day. 38 years of paralysis. And here comes Jesus... Remember this? There's not like 80 of these that John puts out. There's seven. Seven. And I put up six fingers. There's seven. <laughs> there's seven. There's only seven. So number three is this. It's like here he is, this crippled man. He's, do you want to be healed? He says, yeah, but I can't move. I can't get to this pool where the angel will do flay up the waters and somebody who gets in there maybe gets healed, but not me because I have no ability to get to the pool. And Jesus speaks. Remember? He says, take up your bed and walk. And the guy jumps up, takes up his bed and walks away. How did Jesus do that? Again, we, we, don't, even, we don't think through. I, I go right away to the medicine. 
you know, paralyzed person for 38 years. You're talking about, have you seen what happens in five years if you don't move your lower extremities? It's called wasting. He's got to have wasted away body that doesn't have hardly any muscles. How is he getting? He's got to restore the muscles. He's got to restore the nerves. He's got to restore the feeling. He's got to restore everything. And, and, and now the guy's actually after 38 years going to stand up and walk. Oh, my goodness. The guy didn't do PT. Really interesting, and, 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 and more interesting even is this is only a few signs curated for you and me. He's doing it on the Sabbath. 38 years. Couldn't it be 38 years in one day? You can wait till the next. No, Jesus is like, on the Sabbath, I am healing. That puts him squarely in a lawbreaker camp. The Son of God, your Savior. Not following what the, what the, at the time of the people and the authorities are saying, this is what you should do. Not interested in sensibilities, is he? So he's taking ritual water. He's making into a fun alcoholic beverage. He's healing Romans. He's breaking the Sabbath. Who does he think he is? Who are you trusting? So there's the fourth one. That's three. Here's number four. You know this one really well. It's the feeding of the 5,000. That happens in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, he comes in and then and, and, and these people are hungry. And so Jesus says, well, what do we got to feed him? Go get him something. And like, we don't have anything, just a couple of fish and a few loaves. Go give it out. And he blessed it. He prayed and gave it out. And he fed everybody. Right? And that absolute miracle of feeding of the 5,000 was probably more like 20,000, remember? Jesus knows your needs. He can provide out of the air. He's not needing your work to provide. He's able to provide with a spoken word. And and the abundance, right? The abundance. And that's what you see if you go back and look and say, wow, there's 12 basketfuls left over. Like, well, Jesus gives you exactly what you need. No, he just blesses them. Here, have some more bread. Have some more fish. So, have some full. Oh, have some more anyway. Wow. That's the fourth sign. Then there's the fifth one. That's in chapter 9, where Jesus, if you remember, he is interacting with a man who never developed sight. Particularly interesting, we went through medically, if you've never developed sight, you don't have the neural pathways that go to the brain. You don't have development of sight centers in the brain to interpret the upside-down image that comes from your eyes, and your brain learns to interpret it right-side up, and we, we, we do all this processing, and it just never developed. If it never was there when you were born, and Jesus touches him, wipes a little stuff on his eyes, right, Remember? And he sees. He can do that. He did that. Jesus did. I mean, I, this is the, <laughs> this is the phrase that the guys bring up. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. Like I get it that someone who was has some problem that they could fix, but if you were born blind, this is recreation. Jesus did it. He did. He crafts it new, and now he sees. He does all this, right, on the day of rest. He does it on the Sabbath. That's the second time. Not only is he making wine, he's healing on the Sabbath. He's working on the Sabbath. 
There's the sixth sign. Right? The raising of the dead. That's chapter 11 when Lazarus, and again, you remember, right? There's just not very many of these. It's not like you have a whole bunch to remember. There's Lazarus, and Lazarus has been dead, and remember, he's dead for four days, and Jesus intentionally stays away. Finally, he comes, and Mary's like, you know what, Jesus, it's my favorite line. He's been dead for four days. He stinketh. Yeah, that's called worms and putrefaction, and things start happening. And Jesus speaks a word. Lazarus, come forth. What does Lazarus do? He gets up, comes out, alive. Who does that? Who is able to do that? It's like raise the dead with a word and he speaks and it happens. And Lazarus brings nothing to the table except for his own death and maybe some putrefaction, I guess. He stinks because that's what happens in the heat when you're dead. And here's Jesus. He brings people to life. He's the Savior. He's the Son of God. He's our miracle. He speaks. He creates. He loves. He provides for you, for me. And then there's the seventh sign. Universally called for people is the actual sign of Jesus on the cross, right? And they go to John 20. But I think it's the whole thing. It's that the Son of God, who we now go, He is God. He suffered at the hands of sinful men and went to the cross and died. And then He rose from the dead. Death couldn't hold Him. Again, we're so used to this, so familiar with this story. So many times you don't think about, wait a minute, if he actually died and then he took up his life again, nothing can stop him. Nothing. But he was willing to be an outlaw and a criminal and death and oh, propitiation and atonement and victory and behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and all of that. That's a sign. You start to hear. You see what you're depending on? This person, John's presentation, none of it. None of it. Is love God, love people. None of it is how good are you doing for God. None of it is, oh, look what you got to add in and make sure you're doing so God keeps you under the umbrella of anything. All of it is look at Jesus. What does he do? And my, oh my, he does wonders. Doesn't he? <laughs> it's so fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And that's why you have these poof, statements of John. Poof, poof, and the, the, we call them the I am's, right? Where Jesus actually says these things and they echo with the signs in your brain. You start going, wow, Jesus, Jesus is everything. And so you get, let me just throw them up. There's seven of those, right? Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. <laughs> Take me in, you know, have life. Jesus spoke to them in John 8. He says, I am the light of the world. There's that image of you're in darkness and then Jesus is the light. If you're going to see, it's because Jesus is your light. In John 10, Jesus says to them, I am the door of the sheep. Man, you want to have protection? You got to go through me. 
Jesus says again in John 10, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I'm the one that guides and leads you. You're not alone. You're not guiding and leading yourself. Right? And then in, in John 11, I am the resurrection, the life, as Lazarus has been raised from the dead. And Jesus says again, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We know these passages, we memorize them. But you realize they build. They're, they're, they're coming down to a point. And what's the point? I've written these things so that you will trust. What? That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. No one else. I skipped one. Let me give it to you. I, I, I'm the true vine. My father's the vine dresser. And if you read John 15, Jesus is absolutely talking about your usefulness, your fruitfulness, everything good that's ever going to come to you. Any life that you're going to bear, it's going to be through him. Because you're grafted into this actual living vine. So no one else. This is not just assent. Do you see where we're headed towards? Do you see it's not just it's not just nodding our heads. Yeah, I know, I know Jesus is there. No, this is this is this is the depth, the life. And John just doesn't want you to have the outline down. But he wants us to trust him. Not in a solemn way, in a real relational way, you know, in the way he makes great wine. He can do literally anything. He can heal with a word. He can, he can recreate neural pathways. He can provide anything, anytime. He can raise the dead. He says he's going to raise you. So, he will. But, but I, I skipped a little piece. It's, it's the last piece. It's so amazing. John actually gives us not just why the signs? Why this? all this information I've given you that you read through the Bible? It's not so you can go learn to be a good little boy and girl. It's, it's to come and say, I trust Jesus, the Savior. And then he says, this is why trusting is important. Right? That's this last phrase. I, I want you to look at it with me. That, that by believing, you may have life in his name. Okay, again, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of all the disciples and not written in this book, but these are written, you may believe, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, believing what? Believing general, no, believing that Jesus is your Savior, believing Jesus is God, the Son of God, by believing you may have life in his name. So on the one hand, that's eternal life. You with me? I mean, come on. We are going to go to heaven. And you say, oh yeah, that's what I've known since I was a little kid. And I put my faith in Jesus and prayed the prayer. And so now I'm going to heaven and I think I'm going to heaven because I, 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 that's what it's about. It's about eternal life. And you're not wrong to think that because John is riddled with references to eternal life. All right, let me just read a couple for, him, for you. John 3.15, whoever believes in Jesus may have eternal life. You know that, for God so loved the world that whoever, whoever believes in him shall have, shall not perish but have eternal life life but but there's there's lots more <laughs> lots more I, i'm not going to read them all but but let me just read a couple so john three thirty six. whoever believes in the son has eternal life 
John 4.14, whoever drinks the water I will give them will never be thirsty, would become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. John 5.24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and trusts him who has sent me has eternal life. John 5.39, you search the scriptures, you think in them you have eternal life, but it's them that bear witness about me. John 6.27, don't labor for the food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life that the Son of Man will give to you. John 6.40, this is the will of my Father. Everyone who looks on the Son and trusts Him should have eternal life. John 6.54, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. John 10.28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. John 17.2, since you have given Him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all you've given Him. That you're just picking out verses that say eternal life. Yes, I am. Because eternal life is cool. You really want it. How do you get it? You trust Jesus. He gives it to you. Right? That, that's the, that's the thing. That's what it is. Over and over and over. Trust Jesus. He gives you life. He get, He gives. Not you earn. Not you attain. Not you climb. He gives. I I, want to focus a bit more on this language because in the real Greek, if you look at the text, it doesn't actually say by. By is some added thing. It says, and believing, you may have life in your name. Because otherwise, you got to be a little careful because it sounds, you can make it like, oh, well, well, are you believing well? You can go right back to the love God, love people thing by saying, I believe God well. How much are you believing? Are you at 25% belief or 75%? Are you moving to 83% because that's the critical number? No, it just says trusting you have life. So that believing is this participle. Just as, as you continue to say, I just, my hope is Jesus. It's not this act of will to get your trust into Jesus. It's your eyes being, oh my goodness, he does amazing things. I can trust him. And the reality is, trusting him means not trusting you. I don't trust me. I trust Jesus. My eyes have been opened. My heart's rejoicing in the truth of who Jesus is. He's my Savior. He's the Son of God. Look what he can do. Look what he does. This is what life is. Life in his name, not my name. I have no life in my name. You've got no life in your name. you got life in the name of Jesus. That means he's done it all. The contrast John makes, make sure you have no life in your name. This is so freeing. So freeing. If my life is in the one who calls out for me to rise, and by his power, I will. My bread is in the one who's the bread of life, and he creates the bread and gives it to me. My fruit is in the connection that I have with him and his life flowing through me. And he gets it to where it's supposed to be. I'm not scratching through the dirt, clawing, trying to poke my head out so that I'm alive. There's a wonderful power of God that creates life. How do you get it? You trust this man who is God, this God who is man, Jesus, to do it. 
I have life in his name. This is the entire book of John. It's been a tour de force. And Jesus having total and complete salvation. He is Messiah and he does it. He is the son of God and he does it. And he's done it for you. What's in it? Life. You're going to do the works that he's prepared for you beforehand. That's Ephesians 2.10. You're going to bear much fruit. That's John 15. You're united to Jesus. It echoes Paul's statement. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The reality is only that you have life in Jesus and you do. How do I know? I've seen him. Where have I seen him? In the pages of John. Life is connected intimately to Christ. Life in his name is life he creates, he gives, he's in charge of. Because like the man paralyzed, like the man blind from birth, like Lazarus dead in the grave, he gives life by his power alone. Not theirs. So and this goes right to where we want to be, you know. And he has said it in John. Jesus said this. He said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. He doesn't mean by flesh your bad deeds. He means you. Your efforts. He means this, that's what flesh means. Flesh is the person that is you, your ego, your, your ways, your, your thinking about, man, I can get there if I just do another 10 minutes of push-ups. If I do 14 more good deeds, God will be for me. It's not. It's that the words that Jesus speaks are spirit and life. Because by the word, he says, you have no hope in you. But I'm here. And so I want to sing. It makes me want to just just rejoice. Because my own self is no help in life, must have the Spirit, and then Jesus gives it. He's the Spirit of Christ that Jesus gives you and me. We're not who we will be, but the one who will make you and me into who we will be is, is alive. And it's for us. We stand on this. He is the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us. He showed us in signs the wonder of who he is. Jesus, Messiah. Jesus, Son of God. Okay, and as we finish, I, I, I just I want to I make sure you understand. So you say, okay, the whole push has been this, to get you to see. Not a rule book, not morality, not a list, but to trust this Jesus. And so if I say it all boils down to this, and keep it simple. Trust Jesus. You got to see why that's so important. Why that's the forest. In all the messages you're going to hear from Christianity about other things, like you should go keep the law and love God, love people better. Because, because walk through with me what that does to you. This is transformative. We are talking life transformation. But think about what it does. If my eyes are open to the reality that Jesus Christ adores me and he loves me, that's called perfect love. And it casts out fear. You realize there's no caveat to that. There's like, Jesus loves you as long as you didn't look at pornography last night. Then you're in the ringer. You know the, the little timeout the hockey players have to go into if they've done something wrong, and sometimes even if they haven't. They go into the box. Sometimes I think God, we think God's like that. Go to the, and, then, and then we live our whole lives. And I, I was here. I lived my whole life this way. I lived my life trying to manage my fear. 
My fear of what you think of me, my fear of what God thinks of me, my fear, am I a failure? Am I doing enough? Am I, thinking, am, am I actually raising my kids the right way? Because I make three steps wrong, then they're going to turn out badly, and it's on me. Or, or, if, or if I don't work hard enough, then I don't succeed enough, then I'm a failure. Or if I don't keep the rules enough, and God isn't kind, God's going to like, I know he'll call it discipline because he really loves me, but he's going to beat me some because I deserve it. And we live there. That's not perfect love. That's me taking the standard, a right standard of love God, love people and measuring. Because in measurement comes failure. In in measurement comes a a marking of how well you've done. And you haven't done well enough. So, well, I've done better than you. Go for it. But you didn't do what Jesus said. He said, never be angry. He said, don't even look at anybody with lust. He he said all these amazing things that that just go kill you. That's why the message comes down to this. It all boils down to this. It comes, these things were written. Why were they written? That you might trust. Trust what? That Jesus did it for you. Why is that free? Because he did. It just doesn't matter if I mess up tomorrow if my eyes are open to the reality that he has forgiven all of my sin forever. So, well, then you're just going to go sin again, Dax. No, no, that's not the point. The point is I'm free. Why am I free? Because that's the message of the Bible. Did he forgive you? Did he die for you? Did he win you? Did he say to you, I'm yours forever? Or didn't he? And John's message for you and me is that by looking at these signs where Jesus did it all, that you would trust that he's your savior, that he's the son of God, not your example, your God, and that believing, trusting, you might have life in his name because that's where life is. Let's pray.